Yeah, well, welcome again to Rockbridge Community Church. My name is uh, Matt, one of the pastors on our team. We are wrapping up this series where we've been talking about something the church has kind of quantified for since 400s or so AD, and that's the seven uh, deadly sins. And if you've been here for most of this period, we've actually had members of our staff kind of giving part of their story, as you saw with, with Clarissa's there. Just so one thing I wanted you to see about like us that are on staff is there's no such thing as a professional Christian. You know, we we all struggle. We all are, are sinners. We all, uh, nobody, nobody here at Rockbridge acts like we got it all together because we don't. I mean, we're just, uh, you know, on a journey together. So I hope that the courage and transparency of, of people like Clarissa can encourage you in your journey, wherever your journey uh, might be right now. And, and we love to help you take next steps in, in what we believe is uh, the best way to live and the only way to die, which is as a Christ follower. Hey, so every Wednesday now, we've got an, an awesome, awesome opportunity for you, and that's uh, Facebook Live. We have prayer around 7 a.m., and it's okay if you're not a morning person. It's still up, and you can still access it. I think we had about 15, 1,600 people accessing it, not at 7 a.m., but uh, throughout, uh, throughout the day after it posted. So just encourage you to do that and to be a part of that. So we are talking about anger and getting angry, and, and here's the truth. Let's just all admit it. Every one of us gets angry. And, and I'm not even going to say that anger in and of itself is a sin, and, and we'll explain that. But you probably, can, even all of us, to some degree, I think, walk in life, and we have some low-grade anger that's brewing somewhere in our mind or somewhere in our soul, and you're angry about something. You're angry about your team got beat. You're angry about the weather. You're angry about injustice. You're angry about what happened, uh, you know, five years ago, five minutes ago. You're angry about the traffic that you're sitting in. So we kind of walk around and we've got some anger that, we, that we're about this area. Then a lot of us have anger at we're angry at this person. We're angry at what they did. We're angry at them in our marriage. We're angry at our kids. Some of you, let's just be honest, have been or angry at God. So there's something kind of universal, Christians, non-Christians, uh, Hispanics, Caucasians, African Americans, all walks alive. We all have this word that comes out of us, that's in us. And, and so we all have it. And then here's what we know about anger. We know that unresolved anger can actually be dangerous. And this is where it's a door to stuff, right? That your anger, if it's unresolved, can eat you. It can destroy your marriage. We, we know that anger can cause crime, crimes of passion. In fact, they've done like surveys of police and they'll say, hey, what's your least favorite call to respond to? And they'll like say a domestic case because of the anger involved. Because they know trying to apprehend or calm down an angry person with unresolved anger is very dangerous for them. So we just sort of know that unresolved anger can be dangerous. Now, yet here's the interesting thing. Despite that fact, most of us, when we get angry, what do we do? We accept it. We just accept it because it's, it's part of us. Maybe it's part of our story and we love to tell it or we love to vent about it. We, we're, we get angry, we accept it because we feel it. And it feels so okay to have this response to traffic or to have this response to racism or have this response to cancer or have this response to what they did to me. And so we just accept our anger. So I, I've kind of got a goal today, okay? 
that today that you and I would agree or at least attempt with the Lord's help that we would do something different with our anger when we get angry. We all get angry and we all tend to accept it when we do, but maybe today we could do something different with our anger because we all would agree too, right? Unresolved anger is very dangerous. So we're going to take a look at a guy in the Bible who got angry. And, and God was patient, and God dealt with him. And we're going to kind of process this concept of anger and what's something we could do differently with our anger if we could learn this, this from God's Word. So it's going to be the book of Jonah, which is like one of the shortest books of the Bible. It's like really, really hard to find. So you may have to use your table of contents like I did or turn your phone on and your Bible app and find it that way. Or you can follow along with me. Now, if you've kind of been to church any or, you know, you had a grandparent or a parent who told you Bible stories or whatever, you probably heard something about the story of Jonah. And all of us immediately think it's about the story of the guy who got swallowed by a big fish, which is part of the story. Story. And, and so that's like in chapter two. We're going to be the last part of chapter three, first part of chapter four. But here, here's kind of the backstory. Jonah was like supposed to be this missionary to God, uh, for God. And God said, hey, I want you to go to this city called Nineveh. I want you to preach to it in hopes that Nineveh will stop its wickedness and, and stop its evil and, and, and repent and, and become worshipers of, of Yahweh, so to speak. Jonah didn't like that assignment, so he ran from God. In the context of running for God, running from God, God pursues Jonah, and that's where the, the big fish gets involved. And then Jonah reluctantly agrees to go be this missionary. He preaches like about a seven to ten word sermon throughout the city of Nineveh, and this happens to in response to his preaching. Verse chapter three, verse ten. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So his preaching was fruitful. They, they, they said, we're going to stop doing evil. Let's just imagine that, you know, you know, we walked out of here on a Friday night, and there's people in these downtown locations getting drunk or whatever, and, and, and you know, doing the old uh, boy-girl thing after hours, and we just started preaching against that, and everybody's like, we're done. We're going to be in church on Sunday. That's what happened in Nineveh. Okay, that's what happened. And so they turned from their evil ways, and God saw it. So God relented from the disaster that he had threatened them with, with them, and he did not do it, he did, or he did not destroy the city. Now, here's the interesting thing. You always got to ask, why is this in the Bible? So you would think, based on what we just read here, the last part of chapter 3, that the story of Jonah would just end. I mean, mission accomplished, everything's over. The, the reason God called Jonah to preach and all that is done. They repented, successful, move on, next chapter of the Bible. But there's a chapter 4. Why in the world did the Holy Spirit say, let's have a chapter 4? What happened? Well, here's what happened. Verse 1, chapter 4. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Jonah got mad. Jonah got angry. And now you and I can already sort of see, why is Jonah mad? Be like Billy Graham with thousands, hundreds of people at the altar. Be mad. God, why don't you let all these people come down here and get saved? I mean, why is Jonah so mad? So, so there's questions, but that's the focus, right? So he's furious. So he prays to God. Here's what he says. Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. So the reason, God, that I ran from your call, the reason, God, that I disobeyed you, the reason, God, that I didn't want to go to Nineveh is this. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. 
slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. God, I knew you would show mercy on these people. And I didn't want you to show mercy. I wanted them to go to hell. A plus for honesty, right? But we're like, whoa. I mean, that that doesn't sound right. And some of you, listen, some of you, the reason you're not Christians, the reason you struggle with Christians is because Christians sometimes sound more like Jonah than God. And here's what I mean. You, you, You know Christians who hold the signs, turn and burn, baby, right? You know Christians who are, well, you know what they're against and they never talk about the love of God being for the people, okay? And, you, and you're like, I don't like church. I don't like Christians because these people are like Jonah. And when we do that, we're sort of hiding the compassion, the slow to anger nature, faithful love of God. And so Jonah's like, I knew what you were going to do, God. And you chose me to do it. And so this is how Matty is. So God, take, or Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. you got to be pretty angry. God, I would rather I die than these people not get what I think they deserve. Isn't that kind of like when you get angry, though, you want to change something? When you get angry, you want to fix something. And Jonah's like, hey, I can't change God, so I just want to be removed from the equation I mean, that's some serious anger. Now, now, here's what you can see that Jonah can't see. But it's true of you when you get angry, too. When you get angry, you can't see the same thing Jonah can't see. Anger makes us very irrational. And you can't see it. We'll explore that why in just a moment. So let me real briefly help us define anger, okay? Anger is simply this. It's a reaction to something we find unacceptable. It is unacceptable that God would not destroy the city of Nineveh. It is unacceptable that children die from preventable causes, about twenty to 25,000 a day. We get angry about that, and, and that's, that's probably good anger. It, racism is unacceptable. Getting cut off in traffic is unacceptable. The waitress at the restaurant being 32 seconds late with my sweet tea that I ordered is unacceptable. I mean, whatever it is... It's a reaction to something you find unacceptable. It's usually aroused when something we want is blocked or something gets in the way of something we think might make us happy or might make us happier. And this is the challenge because the truths about anger are this. Anger feels justifiable. I mean, when you get angry, it doesn't matter what you get angry about. You just feel like you're right. Because to you, it's unacceptable. How dare she be late? How dare they be so slow to go when their light turns green? Right? How dare we talk about, you know, Hispanics or African Americans as less than human or in racist tones? And you get angry. So, So you can see the spectrum, but to you, it just feels justifiable. And because it feels justifiable, you don't really question of whether your anger is right or wrong. To you, it's right. And so anger then creates a path, a path that takes you somewhere. And then anger has some relatives, grumpiness, irritation, resentment, bitterness, revenge, murder, slander. Keep on going, right? Anger has some cousins because you hold it and you feel accepted or you feel justified and then boom, you have this path, okay? So what anger does inside of you is this. It tends to magnify three things. 
It tends to magnify three things. The offense, what you're offended about, the wound that you experience, and your worth. And so key to understand this. All right, so let's, let's break this down with Jonah, okay? Here's the offense. God, how dare you use me to save those people? Now, let's just, let me be honest. Jonah's a racist, Okay, Jonah doesn't like Nineveh, and there's this, contra- there's this constant conflict between the Ninevites or the Assyrians and the Jewish people. And, and Jonah's like, I'm a Jew, I'm God's chosen, and we're going to leave those, we're going to unchoose or not choose those people. I mean, he, the, the implication of the text when you read all four chapters is Jonah's a racist. And so, how dare God use him to, to save the Ninevites? So he's offended. And then he's wounded because he's like, God, you interrupted my plans. How dare you call me? To go to Nineveh and to preach. That's why I ran, because God, you interrupted me. You wounded me. Your plan was not my preference. Your plan was not my plan. So, he's, you know, so, his, so his wound is magnified. And then Jonah's worth. Now here's what's interesting, okay? Here's what's interesting. The sin of the Ninevites, rejection of God, is the same sin of Jonah, rejection of God. God showed Jonah great grace, great mercy. And yet when it comes time for Jonah to reciprocate and show the same grace he's received to another group of people, Jonah can't do it because Jonah thinks he's better than that group of people. Jonah's a racist. Or he's self-righteous. So racism, self-righteousness, I mean, this doesn't matter. But So Jonah thinks he's better than them. And so when you get angry at someone... When you get angry about someone, this tends to happen to you. How dare, and the, the offense is magnified. Like you ever gotten so mad about traffic and you're like, in the big scheme of things, how big a deal is it? Okay, so, but you get so mad and then, you know, it just feels like, man, being three minutes late is just, oh, that's just like three hours late, right? And you just magnify it. And then it's like, it's an inconvenience to you. And all those things kind of just get magnified and blown up inside us. And it just sort of tumbles there, creates a path. And you say something you shouldn't say. You do something you shouldn't do. You hold on to something too long. And you won't let it go. And and that's where anger can take us. And that's why anger, number three, can be wrong in two ways. And it's kind of either or or both and. It can be wrong in its target and its expression. Your target, the target of your anger... You can be wrong about that. Like, why are you angry at them? Why are you angry at that? It's not a big deal. And your expression of your anger. You can get angry too easily, stay angry too long, and, and, and get too emotional and too, too violent or too uh, out of whack with your anger. So anger can just, a lot of things can go wrong when we get angry. And so we kind of all, everything I've sort of said, everybody's kind of, okay, yeah, I see that. I get that. I understand that. But We still get angry, preacher. What do we do with it? Glad you asked. What do we do with our anger so our anger doesn't do something with us? Which is the really great question. So because we have an awesome God, and Jonah's mad, and he's mad at God. Let's just call it that. Let's call a spade a spade. I mean, he's mad at God. So if you walked in here today and you're mad at God, it's okay. You're safe. It's no big deal. God can handle it. He's big enough. Okay? So God keeps dealing with Jonah in Jonah's irrational, unrighteous anger. And he asked Jonah a question. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Simple, simple question. He doesn't say, Jonah, thou shalt not get angry. Because let's, Jesus got angry. 
God is, call, is not called the one who never gets angry. He's called the one who is slow to anger. So there's a part of us where anger is okay. And, and we'll kind of break that down. But here's the, here's the implication of the question here in Jonah 4.4. And this is what I want us to do today with our anger. Because remember, we all get angry. We, everyone has anger. Instead of accepting our anger, let's do what God asks us to do. Before we accept our anger, we should question our anger. Before you just outright accept your anger and believe, man, I am justified in my anger, we should accept, we should rather question it, okay? Because here's the deal. You need to really know why you're angry. And you need to know what's driving and what's fueling that anger. Because honestly, anger is like smoke. It's one thing to see smoke, but you get to do anything about it, you got to find the fire. So anger is like smoke in your soul, in your mind, in your marriage, in your life. And you're like, I'm smoking. What's burning? And you got to ask that question. So you need and we need to question our anger in order to get to the bottom of our anger and actually do something about that. Because anger is never original. You don't just wake up angry. There's a, it's a reaction to something, something that you find unacceptable. So if we zoom all the way back or go all the way back, anger has a place. It's okay to be angry. Anger in and of itself is not a sin, and here's why. Because anger is actually related to love and justice. Anger is related to love and justice. So if I love you, there's some things that hurt you that I got to get angry about. You ever wonder why God calls so many things wrong and sinful and God doesn't like sin? One, because he's holy. Two, because he loves you. Are you a loving parent if you let your kids do whatever they want without discipline or consequence? No. No, you're not. Oh, go ahead and play in the four lane, son. No big deal. I love you. You know? That wouldn't make any sense, would it? And so God does the same thing. He does, this, he does it with sex. He does it with money. He does it with how we spend our time. I mean, God loves us, so he has to get angry. I mean, you, there's things that would hurt your family, hurt your girlfriend, hurt your spouse, hurt your loved ones, hurt your company. And those things, because you love those things, you're going to get angry at them. Because justice is a sense of right and a sense of wrong. Whenever injustice appears, people get angry. People get angry, and that kind of anger is okay. Do you know what the, listen, this is great. Do you know what the opposite of anger is? It's not nice. It's indifference. Just don't care. Just don't care. That's the opposite of anger. And you and I, listen, we were not made to be indifferent about love and justice. We were not made to be indifferent. So what that means is the fact that our anger can go haywire or that we can get angry at the wrong things or insignificant things, all that means is this, that we're really just broken lovers. And a broken lover will express broken anger. So our anger is really just brokenness when it's unrighteous. Our anger, and what, this is what we see with Jonah, is he's just a broken lover. His love is messed up. He loves himself more than God's plan. He loves his preference more than God's purpose. He, he loves him and his people more than other people. So he's just a broken lover. So the fact that you get angry tells you something about yourself. The fact that your anger is broken tells you something about yourself. 
Something's wrong with you. Yes, something's wrong with me. Yes, because my anger can just, you know, get, get, get the best of me. But the anger you have is a reflection that you were made in the image of God. A God who gets angry. When the people he loves are threatened and the justice he creates is not honored. So we're just broken lovers and our anger and the anger that we see coming out of this story is broken. And this is why you will get, sometimes we'll get more angry about an inconvenience, listen, than an injustice. Sometimes we'll get more angry about an inconvenience than an injustice. All the white people here today, you ought to go read Dr. King's letters from a Birmingham jail. Just go read them. And you will see the big sin of the white church in the South in the 60s. Listen to this quote about anger, injustice versus inconvenience. It's not ISIS or abortion or human trafficking that gets us angry. It's traffic jams. It's when the zipper gets stuck on my new North Face jacket or when Chipotle doesn't put enough chicken in my burrito bowl. That's what we really get angry about. So what's our love done? It's been corrupted and turned inward and we become me, myself, and I people. And that's where we find Jonah. And that's maybe where you can say, I can certainly say, I've got a little Jonah in me too. So what does God do? He asks Jonah a question. And here's what Jonah does. He ignores God. He says this, next thing, Jonah left the city. God asks him a question, Jonah doesn't respond. Why does he not respond? Because he feels like his anger is justified. He accepts it rather than questions it. God's trying to say, Jonah, just question your anger. Jonah, don't want to go there. See, that's the difficult part. When you're angry and someone says to you, calm down, let's talk about it. You're like, uh-uh, I ain't got nothing to talk about. That's Jonah. Hey, why are you so mad? Can we just talk about it? You don't want to because you don't want to question your anger. All you want to do is point blank accept your anger. Your anger is now God to you. Because this God gets ignored. But God's slow to anger. And he keeps dealing with Jonah. So Jonah left the city, found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Maybe, just maybe, God's going to do it. Maybe God's going to hellfire and brimstone the city. God's not going to do that. He's already given his word. He doesn't break his word. And so God's dealing with Jonah, not the city. And here's what he does. Then the Lord God appointed appointed, it's a key word in the story, a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him for his trouble. So Jonah gets a little shade tree, and he's like he's sitting on the beach with an umbrella, and he's just looking at the big city. And God appointed that. Now, why does God appoint a plant there? Because God knows something about anger. Anger is actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to do some soul searching. It's an opportunity for us to do some self-evaluation. It's an opportunity for us to say what really matters, what really doesn't matter in our lives. And to see if our priorities are out of whack. If our preferences are dominating or drowning out God's purpose. I mean, it is just an opportunity for why am I so angry? 
All right, and so the story continues. Listen, here's what happens. Jonah was greatly pleased, and this word greatly is big time important in the story of Jonah. It comes up chapter one, chapter, uh, chapter two, and then again here in chapter four. Jonah was greatly pleased, so now he's excited. Remember, he was greatly displeased. Why was he greatly displeased? Because God spared a city of 120,000 people, but he's, he's pleased, so there's a contrast between Jonah and God, and Jonah's reaction to the saving of the city of Nineveh, and Jonah's reaction to this plant. So Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When, God, when, the, when dawn came the next day, God appointed, because God's slow to anger, and he's dealing with Jonah, because Jonah's anger is an opportunity for a lesson. God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed, so three things God appoints, four in the story. He appoints a, a big fish, he appoints a plant, he appoints a worm, and he appoints a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted, and he wanted to die. And he asked again, he said, it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah's got some anger issues, doesn't he? And God's still faithful, and God's still dealing with it, and God's still working. And, and what we see is God has these, and I'm going to give it a phrase, appointed annoyances. You ever say, God, this is annoying? Might be from God. Because he's trying to teach you something. That's why if you walked in here with anger in your marriage... That's why you walked, if you walked in here with anger in your heart toward God or your parents from something that happened 30 years ago, that's why if you walked in here with anger in your heart because of what's going down at your job, there's hope because God's slow to anger and he wants to redirect, repurpose, rewire, recalibrate your anger to be a better lover of God and others. So there's hope for you. So you have all these appointed annoyances that God raises up. And so here's what we have to understand. Because most of us, here's what we would do. Here's what we do with our anger when it comes to us and God. God, would you remove what's causing me discomfort? And God doesn't remove them. He sends two or three more. He appointed what? The fish. He appoints the plant. He appoints the worm. He appoints the east wind. So the solution to anger... Here's, here's, why, here's the big opportunity today. The solution to anger is not changing or removing the circumstantial triggers that arouse it, but rather changing our hearts. And this is where you get mad at God or you miss God and don't understand God and you just walk around like, God never got rid of that. God was trying to change your heart and you just wouldn't let him in. God never got rid of God allowed the worm. Now for you, the worm may not be the same as Jonah, might be the person you sit next to at work or sleep next to at night. God's looking at your heart. And so he's not going to necessarily remove some things. Actually, he may cause or allow some things to get you to look right here. So God, God's going to ask Jonah his question again. Because he's trying to say, Jonah, instead of accepting your anger, let's just question it and see where the question takes us. So he says... Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. So he's honest. Good. I'm angry enough to die. So the Lord said, now here's the lesson. Here's God. He's got Jonah right where he wants him. Here's the lesson. He said, Jonah, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. That plant was a gift to you. It was free. It was from me, God appointed. 
It appeared in a night and it perished in a night. But may I not care about the great, there's that word again, city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left. In other words, they're ignorant about morality and God, as well as many animals. And then the story's over. He says, Jonah, compare your emotion with the plant with my compassion for 120,000 people. I, I, I say this to our church sometimes. I say, look, if we as a church ever care more about our preferences than the plan of God to redeem and disciple people from all nations, we have a problem. You know, how many churches have been split over preference in worship styles, divisions over dress codes, con- complaints about, you know, what paint they use on the wall? Those are all preferences and plants. God cares more about the people that have yet to know of his great love, have yet to know of the fact that he's slow to anger. In fact, he, you know what God did with his anger? Toward you and me, you know what God did with his anger? He didn't pour it out on you and me. He poured it out on himself on a cross for six hours. So instead of you and I getting the anger and wrath and righteous anger of God, Jesus got it. He took our place. He stood before the wrath of God. So yes, God is slow to anger. And yes, God is for people. People even like Nineveh. And so he says, Jonah... You're so happy about the plant and so mad about people being saved. I care about 120,000 people. You care about a plant. So that's the lesson. So now, how do we process that and work that out in our lives? Let me offer a few suggestions, okay? First one, the one thing Jonah does right. Be angry in God's presence. If you're going to be angry, don't run from God. Jonah tried that. Didn't work too well for him. Don't run from God. Be angry in his presence. Pray angry. Read your Bible angry. Come to church angry. Go to Christian biblical counseling angry. Just get angry in God's presence. And that's important. And and let me explain why it's important. The reason why it's important is because our anger makes us irrational Our anger feels right to us, and so we have blind spots, like Jonah. I mean, to us, Jonah's silly. Jonah's being ridiculous to us. But to you and your anger, you're like, like, Jonah, I'm right. So we need God and God's people to help us with blind spots. So one of the reasons we encourage you to get in a small group or to have mentors or to have people you're in community with, biblical, spiritual community, is the need for spiritual community to help one another with blind spots. Like when people are angry in marriage and they come see me or for counseling, one of the things I always ask is, who are you hanging out with? If you're a woman and you're mad at your husband and you're hanging out with six other women who all they do is hate men, you're, not gonna, you're gonna have a problem with your anger because they're just gonna reinforce your anger, not help you resolve it. Well, all my girlfriends just say to throw him out. Oh, let's talk about that, you know? So... You just have to get in spiritual community. People who love you enough to say, look, you got a blind spot. To people who love you enough not to just say, oh, it's okay to be angry, stay angry, get mad, get even. People who love you enough to say, let's resolve this anger. 
Another thing we need to do is learn to dethrone our feelings. See, anger is a feeling and emotion. It's a reaction to something. And, and especially in our culture today, you are, and I are encouraged to make our feelings kings and queens. If you feel it, don't question it, just do it. You know, don't question it, just do it. If you feel it, it must be okay. It must be right. You and I can't do that because we, we're broken. Remember, we're broken lovers who need to be restored. So broken lovers have broken emotions of love, and anger is an emotion of love. Okay, so we've so we got to dethrone our feelings and put Jesus on the throne. Look at God who's slow to anger and understand this. All our anger cannot be measured by our feelings. Our anger has to be measured and judged by who God is. And who is God? God is slow to anger. God is abounding in faithful love. Third question for us to ask. What grace have I forgotten? What grace have I forgotten? Do you notice what happened to Jonah? The plant that God, the, the big shade tree that God caused to grow over him. Who caused it to go, grow? God did. What did Jonah go? He went from taking a grace of God to making it an entitlement. I'm entitled to this plant. Let me say this to Christ, Christians here today. You and I know this. If you're a Christ follower, you know something. We were entitled what did we deserve? We deserve wrath and hell. What do we get? Jesus and grace in heaven. So we can never forget the grace that God's given us. So what I want to ask you to do today, I want to ask you to rank something in your soul, in your heart. So I'm going to ask you to put one thing number one and one thing number two. And I want you to just be honest, okay? You don't have to show your neighbor, but just be honest. All right, here's the, here's the ranking. Do you see yourself first and foremost as a sinner or someone who's sinned against. Now, here, here's what I mean by that. A lot of us, we look at our lives and we're sinned against. It's what they did to me. It's God didn't stop that. It's the boss. It's the machine. It's the government. And you are the one. You're sinned against. And you forget that first and foremost, you and I are sinners. And we sinned against the holy God. So as we grow as, as Christ followers, this should be number one. Sinner who's received the grace of a God who's slow to anger. This is number two. Yeah, we do get sinned against. We live in a broken world full of broken lovers with broken anger. But the moment this becomes number one is the moment you quit questioning your anger. Jonah He's, a big, he's the biggest sinner in the story, and he rarely sees it. He always sees himself as those Ninevites. God, how dare you? So as you grow as a Christian, you'll see yourself first as a sinner, and only then as someone who's been sinned against. Now, here's the good thing about the book of Jonah. This is, this is, an, this is the invitation here today. In the book of Jonah, the word great and greatly shows up a lot, and I've alluded to that. God and his mission to help people is great. Nineveh's wickedness is great, but God's grace is greater. Jonah's hatred and anger is great, but God's compassion is greater. See, anger is an opportunity for you and I to get caught up in the right great. The right great. The greatness of God. The greatness of his mission to redeem people from all walks of life. The greatness of his love. The greatness of his patience. The greatness of his cause. Do you know today the greatness of God and his love for you? 
Would you get caught up in that? Rest in that? Live from that? And question your anger in light of that great love from a great God? Would you bow and pray with me at all of our campuses? God, I want to just thank you for being slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. I want to pray, God, for anybody who today needs to receive your love and uh, receive your grace and receive your salvation. For anybody, God, who just needs to sit and be awed by your love. God, I know that today we probably all walked in here with somebody we needed to forgive or a bitterness that we needed to let go of or anger that we needed to deal with. So God, I just pray that maybe where we're seated, seated, we could just make a little altar and be angry right now in your presence. And God, experience your grace. God, remember that Jesus took your anger that should have gone to us. Jesus took it for six hours on the cross. God, remember the grace you've given us from the breath we just breathed to the love that you want to give us on the cross from your son, Jesus. God, may we walk out of here more in love with you, more enabled to love correctly, and less angry because of who you are. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.